You are listening to Help for HD Live, the first podcast created for families living with Huntington's and juvenile Huntington's disease. Don't forget to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also search over 500 archived episodes and other projects at helpforhd.org. To watch us in person, find Help for HD TV on YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications on new content. Help for HD Live is going on air in five, four, three, two. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to Help for HD Live. This program is made possible because of Teva Pharmaceuticals, Neurocrine Biosciences, the Griffin Foundation, and the Hereditary Disease Foundation. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and today we have Chris Brown on with us again for our HD Uncut series. Um, he is going to be sharing about a recent trip to Wave Life Sciences, um, and I'm really excited about that. As you know, Chris is a major advocate in the community. He is gene positive. And one of the reasons he's perfect for this HD Uncut series and we have him on again is just because of how honest he is, not only with the community, but with the people, um, pharmaceutical companies, the FDA, the people who need to know, and he's not afraid to speak up. So I'm really happy to have Chris on with me again. Thanks so much for joining me, Chris. Thank you, Lauren. You make me sound so great. You are great. <laughs> it was uh, it was great seeing you in uh, New Orleans too. Did you have a good time? Uh, oh my god! It was it's literally like a family reunion. Yeah, you know, it just is. Um, just seeing everybody, uh, it's just so nice. Like I was telling somebody on the way back home, I was talking to, to a friend, and she was asking me about it. And I was like, you know, you, everybody goes for a different reason, I feel like, you know, like, well, we go for a, re for a common reason, you know, but like, over time, the keep, you keep going, you find yourself going for like, different reasons, depending on, you know, like, what's going on in life or with research or, you know, what have you. And so I, um, this time I was just like, I just went just because I want to be around everybody, you know? Yeah. No, it wasn't for the research. It wasn't for, you know, to because I had to like, you know, find out the latest, whatever. It was just to be around everybody. And I got what I needed from it for for you know, for that. Yeah. So I um I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, I mean it for me it was the same thing. I, I needed to be around my HD family, right? Like I needed to be around the people who got it, who who were, right. you know not going to sit there and think anything different because they were living it yeah. um you know and being somewhere where that I was comfortable um so yeah I mean it was amazing for that reason alone right and um just that support just that mental support and like that communal that community support it's just you know it goes a long ways it sticks with you for a while you know it does um yeah I mean especially with like, you know, this year, when it comes to that, it was, uh, uh, yeah, just like there not being any, like, to me, with my age, and like my mom's onset age, it's just like I have this, like, picking time in my head, and it's just like there, and it's like in my face, you know? And like, I've just watched it come closer and closer and closer and closer. And like, now I'm like literally at it, at it. And like, I mean, before I got my antidepressants back on, like I would have like these panty moments, just like a thought out of nowhere would be like, you're 39. And like my heart would like drop out of my chest. I'm just like, I'm here, I'm here. Like I'm here, I have, I'm at the door. Yeah. You know, like I walked, you know, for I don't know, seven, eight years ago, and those years passed, you know, and, yeah. and you know, and you're advocating and you're advocating and you're trying to help people and you're just trying to be, 
you know, you're just doing, 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 and just hoping and praying. And now I'm like, it's here. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, um, I feel the same know? way. Yeah. 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 And so like, but thanks for 75 milligrams of um, sertraline. <laughs> <laughs> Yay for antidepressants. <laughs> Minus the telepram. It works great. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yes, I um, um, so yeah, I just just going for um, for that communal um support was vital, and also um, going to Wave Life was also really it was really cool. I um, you know, like I was thinking before, I was like, okay, Chris, you going like like. Well, I was in Glasgow and um um Shelly was there and she um just to give you a little backstory, she is like their new person. I don't know new, but she's newish and she um to the company. But she saw me and she was like, you know, are you Chris? Are you the one who came to um Wave Life, you know, when Wendy was here and Wendy Earler? And um, I was like, yeah, she was like, oh, yeah, they still have your picture up and all this stuff. Your face is still on the website and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And I was like, yeah, I enjoyed it immensely when I went to um, Wave Life all those years ago. And then she was like, it'd be so cool to have you back. And, you know, we have new staff and we have new team members and all this stuff. And, like, it'd be so great to have you um, to come back. And, um. I was like, yeah, you know, sure. She was like, well, I'll look into it, you know, and I was thinking like, oh, maybe she might forget or whatever, but like, I don't know, like weeks, two weeks later, she was like, hey, if you're still interested in going and everything. And so I was like, of course, you know, and so then we set everything up and got it scheduled. And then I was like, oh, wow. I was like, well, my story has <laughs> changed quite a bit since my yeah. first time going, because like when I first went, you know, all those years ago, four years ago, um, you know, I was recently tested, you know, and, you know, there were, it was just totally different uh, point in my life. And I, um, I was like, well, what do they need to hear? Like, what do they need to hear? And I was like, do I just tell my story, you know, and, you know, but like, but I've experienced so many things also with like participating in clinical trials and like, um, and like had little bumps and bruises from things. And I was like, I mean, I want, this is a chance for me. I felt like on one hand, I want, yes, I want to tell my story. I always want people to know my mom's story. Like that's always going to be a part of my story. And I want people to hear, you know, cause I don't want people to want my mom to be forgotten. So whenever I get a chance to tell my story, I want to incorporate my mom's as part of it, you know, but then I, um, it was just like a, how do I, how do you talk to a pharmaceutical company and, and like put in, you know, your, your mom's story, my journey, my uh, where I'm at, then also the advocacy part of it, where you know, like, here's what's happening in the community, like, here's the things that we, you know, like, really need. Here's the things that I something I experienced, you know, participating in a clinical trial, and like, um, and it wasn't positive, and I want you guys to hear this so that you can, you know, you know, make sure this doesn't happen again to um in in the future. And so um, there was just so much I wanted to say, but then like she was actually, I actually explained this to Shelly and she was like, well, Chris, we'll like have a, um, we'll have a broad audience for like, you know, your story and the, and the community and what they, um, what the community is going through right now. And then we'll have a separate meeting, like a conference call meeting with, um, with the uh, people who built the clinical trials, and then you can tell them about your um, that 
group of team members that build the studies about your experience with, you know, your clinical trial that you've been through before. And she was like, because I think those are both, you know, very important um, topics that would be very meaningful and useful. And um, and so sure enough, you know, I, I um, there was about 40 people like in the room. And then like they had, of course, they were like, they had a lot of people who worked from home. And so they were um, watching from, from working at home. And so that went very well. And then like afterwards, we went into this other room and then like all these people were zooming in and they were like all their top people. I mean, all their top people, their clinical um, coordinator people. And they were just asking me all these great questions and, um, you know, about, what I experienced and um, with, you know, with Fasimex and all that. And so um, I, it was, uh, I remember thinking if I wasn't on such high antidepressants, I would be, I would have been able to cry because I was like, wow, even though I went through what I went through with Fasimex, and it was a um, horrible experience, and I um, I never want somebody to do that have to go through that again. The fact that I am sitting at a um, um, another pharmaceutical company's you know office and like talking to them and telling them what happened, they're able to learn from this, and this just minimizes the possibility. I mean, this um, you know deep decreases the possibility of something like that ever happening to another group of people who go through a clinical trial and feel, you know, just totally, you know, annihilated by the, the pure carelessness of our mental or well-being. So for and, those who don't know, will you explain a little bit about what happened with Fastinex and, and what you went through? Yes, yes. I um um I did an 18 month clinical trial with Vasinex. I um it was a um infusion treatment, um eight hour visits once a month, not counting the the trips to go in for um um MRIs and and um, CT scans and PET scans and all those other things for 18 months. Um, it was supposed to um, slow down the onset of HD. And this was in phase three. So it was like, right, it was seeming so promising. And everything um, was like finished up. They collected collected all the data and we had a call in June that said, hey, we're just doing a um, follow-up call with you guys. This was the CEO on the call. He was like, we're just doing a um, follow-up call with you to let you all know where everything is. And so people were, this was during COVID. And so um, COVID was like four, three, four months going on now at this point. And um, um they were just telling us what was going on and how they had finished up the last people infusions and stuff and collected the data and was getting ready to send it to FDA. And so people started asking questions and this stuff. And uh, CEO says, um, at one point, he says to all of us on the call, verbatim, trust me, like somebody asked the question, he was like, he answered it something, something, and then he was like, just trust me, guys. We want this just as bad as you do. And I, yeah, I was mortified. I, it didn't hit me. It hit me. But it didn't hit you until later, like once you processed. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It bothered me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But then he followed it, but the things that the actions that happened afterward further nailed it in for me. It was kind of like, you know, you know, like, okay, I think you just screwed me, but did you? Yeah. Okay, yeah, you did. You know, like he's um because then um three months later, leaving out of a dentist appointment on a Monday morning, 
having a root canal and <laughs> now it wasn't a root canal it was something i had had like a procedure done like it was ugh. and um i put my phone out of my pocket on my way to walk into the car and i have a uh, text message from my best friend seth rotberg he was like hey did you did you see this did you know about this and it was a um screenshot of um of a um news report that said um Bassinet study fails in point alternating to Alzheimer's. And I was like, it's like, huh? No. Huh? I was like, no, 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 no. Uh I don't know. This can't be. Drove home. Start freaking out as I'm driving home. Freaking out. I'm like, no, no. Like, I would know they would have said something. This could possibly be. I was like, no, no, no. I don't know. I don't know. No, no, no. And then I give my brother and sister on my phone. And they were like looking at it. And I like went in the room. And I'm just like freaking out. I'm freaking out. This was Monday. I called my doctor. I called my clinical coordinator. They know nothing. They're getting calls from everybody too. They know nothing. My doctor. Dr. Anderson, Karen Anderson. Um, yeah. Rob, Robin, who is my clinical coordinator, called her. Chris, we can't, we have nothing. We're trying to get information. We're sorry. I got I've got another call coming in from another patient. Like they had, we're sorry. I um I called another friend. She was like, I just I saw it too. This was Monday. We did not have a scheduled call with them until Thursday Friday, or Friday. Yeah. They didn't schedule a call with us until Friday. Thursday night or Friday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Do you know? <sighs> so. I mean. I was and in then the find out wrong. And then to find out they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Well, technically, in the big scheme of things, they didn't do anything wrong. If you get down to the nitty-gritty, they could have there were some probably some ethical things that they probably could have done better, but they didn't do anything wrong. So it's up to us because they didn't break any rules in the big world. Yeah. It's up to us to point out to them what they did wrong to us right so that they do it again <laughs> yeah because none of the nonprofits are are like standing up i feel yeah i feel like enough people that i've told this to i've told enough head people that I should have gotten a call saying, Chris, we heard yeah. this and we have reached out to these pharmaceutical yeah. companies and go forward. There is, they're going, we're going to make sure that before we give them access to our community, that they know that these things have to be done in order for them to be able to carry on a clinical trial. In order for us to promote their drug, they have to do these things to ensure that you guys don't experience anything like this again because that's not remotely how things should have happened. I mean, if everything comes out in three, so then they asked me, they asked me, it was like, okay, would it have been okay if they said, have you gotten three different um, ways of being told that day in, in a 24 hour span? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> because they can't, they have to notify their investors first. Right. Through a public right. um, thing. They and have that, to do that, that first. To keep people from doing anything illegal. Trading. Regards right. to tra trading. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Um, so, okay, yes. They have to publish it. But you cannot put together a protocol that for communicating have, right that immediately because then they was like well we don't have direct access to the patients because the patients because you have been the, but the, the but sites do 
Right, exactly. And so I was like, these things should have been already worked out. But like, I mean, okay, if they aren't, okay. You have to put in, my clinical coordinator should have emailed me or my doctor should have called me and said, Chris, we've been notified by the, um, they should be given 12 hours after the uh, press release, they should be given 12 hours to notify every participant. We're not talking about that many participants. That's the, I mean, come on. I mean, from each right. site, there's only right. what, maybe 50. You can right. literally call and We're not email. talking about thousands here. We're not, right. right. Yeah. Like, come on. It's definitely doable to at least show that you went out of your way to beat that press release to the patient. Right? Or to show or to communicate or to have information readily available. Yeah. But to have to wait, all we knew was that it ended and to have to wait four days for a clinic. And then you say, Chris, what was four days when you. It, four days is a lot when. Yes. You're not on antidepressants. When you're not on your drugs or because I had just moved back home, I hadn't, I hadn't even had my first new appointment at Vanderbilt. Oh my God. Um, um, and also anybody who says anything remotely like that, Lauren, I say, are you waiting on a drug for a disease that has no treatment or cure? Well then, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. So what's interesting, Chris, is I participated in the same clinical trial, I uh, the signal study, um, and did? I did, yeah. Um, and I remember the press release coming out, and I remember them putting something out about a phone call in the next few days. Well, I have a friendship with my with the clinical coordinator at the time, um, yeah. and yeah. she knew that I was taking care of my dad. So she knew that I was too busy working, like, because this was like last year of dad's life, right? And so, and I also had, my son had just been born. Um, he was still an infant and, you know, I had my toddler daughter. So she actually texted me and she said, do you know what Vastinex has released? And I'm grateful that she sent me that message because I would have, I would have freaked out. Um, and I did freak out cause I still, we still didn't know anything until that mm -hmm. phone call, but I couldn't mm -hmm. even, I didn't even have the time to hop on the phone call. So she went on the phone call and then she called me to tell me what was said. Um, so I'm very grateful that I had that relationship with her because without her, I like, I didn't have time to look. Um, but yes, the communication on it was so bad. Um, and then after that, receiving a letter in the mail stating that, like, whether or not you were on placebo or not. And so, and I was on the portion where um, first portion of it was, you know, placebo controlled. So you didn't know. And then the second part of it was open label. Um, and so I got both sides of it. But for the first portion, I found out that I was um, on placebo. And it's, that's just hard news to get via a letter like mm. that. Like when you're already devastated that it didn't show any benefit, right? Like you said, there should have been better communication. It was terrible. And I never talked about it because it it really bothered me um, mm. how they handled it. So I, I love that you're speaking up about it and that you're sharing about it because it was something that at the time I couldn't even focus on because I was so busy taking care of my dad. And right but it truly bothered me how it was handled. Right, right. And I just don't want other pharmaceutical companies to be able to do it again. And I'm grateful for um, pharmaceutical companies. I'm grateful that they're trying to, and like, so I had to make sure I said that. I was like, you people are brilliant. I was like, it, it like makes me feel so amazing that these people are going to work every day to try to find a cure for um, Huntington's. Like, I mean, I am beyond grateful. And I was like, but just 
but just communicate with your participants yeah. because this wouldn't be this research wouldn't be happening without us like you have right. to have it. so right. we are just as important as the stakeholders as any other stakeholder in this any other shareholder we are just as important if not absolutely we're not made to feel like that yeah we're not made to and you would think what they would be like, okay, with the with we would have different protocols with rare disease space than we would with, you know, a clinical trap for a clinical trap or something that's already has a, you know, already has something. You know, you think that they would have just a little bit more like, well, it's all about money. It's clinical trials, it's science, it's, but they're dealing with human beings. Right. And there needs to be a person in between them and they need to have people in between them and us. So when you went to WAVE. Some people don't. Yeah. Um, so when you went to WAVE. And they asked mm -hmm. a bunch of questions. What what would you say was the best part of that? Like best questions that you heard and that you hope that they really took away from what you shared? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> oh, okay. Um, they asked, what does the community need from us? Um, they also, um, which... Sounds like a good question, but <laughs> um, in the but in the meeting, the conference meeting with the people who are building the clinical trials, they um, the guy, he said, Chris, what he said, I'm so sorry that what happened, this happened to you, and he asked. He asked basically what you just said was like, what would what would have been like? He was like literally asked the question of of like a, to solve like the problem. He was like, what could have been better? What could have been done to satisfy you, even though the outcome wasn't good? And I was like, if they had would have had somebody who was like, if they had invested enough money to have somebody who was a liaison, yeah, like from the community, who was able to talk to them and give them advice on what they should do before communicating with the, uh, with the um, um, community. If they had um, communicated at least with two, three different ways that day within 24 hours of like a pre-written, hey, here's why it didn't go through. Here's everything that you need to know. And then we're all, all of this will be talked about on the phone Wednesday. Right. If they had a, if, right. Right. If Not they today. had have just said, if, if HD Buzz had put out something, if HD... As they had put out something, if I got an email from my doctor, if I got an email from uh, my clinical coordinator, or God forbid, a phone call and um, a letter email from Bassinex saying, hey, here's what happened. Here's the information of everything that happened, why it ended and everything. And we're also going to have a phone call with you guys on Wednesday. Then that would have that I, I would. But they didn't send the letter until after the fact. Like, do you oh, remember girl, they, yeah. they sent it like, a, it was not anywhere close to when they announced, um, but then it, it was yeah. like, they went, oh yeah, we need to send a letter. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I think communication, it's so important to have yeah. a, a liaison or somebody who's going to work with the effective communication between the two. And because um, like you said, we're not talking about thousands of participants. We're talking about less than a hundred, you know, Right. At different sites. Right. And so right. there should not be a problem with reaching out to these participants within, like you said, a, a certain time frame, 12 hours, whatever, saying, look, this is what's going on. We want to inform you. 
And then if that person doesn't answer, like you said, follow up with an email, follow up, you know, with something else as well. So they're not blindsided because it is devastating when you participate in something. I can't even imagine the people in Roche, in the Roche study, who, you know, mm. that it was actually benefiting them. But then all mm -hmm. of a sudden the study just stopped and it was halted. And like, that's devastating to to go through that and um that's where communication can be so much better um and it's getting better you know obviously when you have companies or um like wave that's reaching out and they want to know how they can communicate yeah. better it's huge yeah 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 i um i definitely felt hurt i felt that they were i felt like they were super um um invested in like our meeting because of the questions they were asking and um um i just felt like they were super invested and you know like they were listening they were asking questions they were i wish i could remember more questions that they were asking lauren because they were asking um i was just like i was blown away and um they even asked me questions that like I, I didn't even have answers for. I was like, um, man, I wish I had an answer, you know, like, you know, <laughs> like that's a really good question. Um, but I just tried to like think of what anyone would say of what any of us would say, because, you know, like when you we have these opportunities to talk to them, you know, like you're speaking for, for a lot of people, you know, you're telling your story, but like, you know, that other people went through what you did, whether they're have the, have the time to focus to it or not. Like you're speaking for so many people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> Speaking of communication with pharmaceutical companies, um, did you see the research out of PTC and um, Unicure today? No. Okay, so there are two um, two updates today, but this is what's great because this goes to exactly what you're saying. So they did press releases today, followed up with a phone call, and like posted the stuff um, to their website. So you can immediately see it and everything. Um, but like you're, they put the phone number or the um, link to be able to actually um, participate live for anybody. Um, it was part of their press release. And so I thought that was great. Mm. Um, and I had somebody in the community actually send it to me. So I was on the call for Unicure, but they're both uh, Unicure and PTC um, have preliminary uh, data for their clinical trials that are very positive. Um, and so they were just sharing a positive update um, that so far for their phase one, two trials or phase two trial um, that it's showing, it's showing benefit and that there are no adverse events related to the drug. Um, so that's good. Um, but yeah, I was very happy with how they shared the information and that not only did they do the press release and set up a phone call, but they put the contact information for the phone call in the press release so anybody could join and listen. Mm -hmm. so, right. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Yeah. But that just shows like things are changing because of like you were speaking yeah. up. Yeah. I hope so. I really do. That really makes me feel good. I mean, any, especially with them trying to get like some good news out because everybody is like really grasping at something that's going to be good news right now. So mm -hmm. I applaud them. Yeah. So um, PTC did, it's a um, 12 week. Pause? Hmm? Is Unicare still pause? No. Unicare. Um, is in, they're finishing with enrolling the participants for um, Europe. Phase two? Is what they said. Uh, um, but they shared the results for their U.S. participants um, uh -huh. and for the last 24 months of, of mm. the trial um, and what they're looking to move forward with. And then PTC shared 
um, preliminary data after 12 weeks of the beginning of the trial. So, um, and it's showing benefit as well. And both of them are using neurofilament light chain to be able to mm -hmm. track, um, which is amazing. Um, you know, they're able to, to use it as a biomarker and a way to, to track how well the, um, the drug is working. So, um, overall positive to, to get that. And I think that they did a great job in communicating, um, it to the community. Well, good for them. I hope other people are watching. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. But that comes from the fact that like, after, Vastinex after Roche, you know, and the communication issues there and the community going, this is BS. This is not how this should be handled. Yeah. You know, everybody right. else. Oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've just been screaming to the top of my lungs and I, um, I kind of wish that like maybe, um, it would have been taken more seriously by, certain organizations, you know? I think it's hard because, because organi the, the nonprofit organizations and the patient advocacy organizations for Huntington's, when they get the information, they try to get it out unless they're told that they have to hold information back until a certain time, right? And so... Um, I, I think that they're doing the best they can when they get the information. Um, but again, if they don't get the information until we get the information anyway, that goes back to the pharmaceutical company, really letting the organizations know and using them as that liaison. Um, and you know, that hasn't historically happened all the time, but I think that it's starting to happen, um. A good example is Novartis. Um, I remember when Novartis decided to halt their their trial, um, and they had talked to me about like what what can we do for the community? And one of the things that I had mentioned is communication. Like you know, really over communicating is better than not communicating, and transparency right. um, is, is a big deal. And um, they, I guess, took it to heart because I received an email you know, saying like, we are halting this and we are letting the organizations know and the site coordinators know first so they can contact the patients and the participants mm -hmm. in the trial for anybody else. And so mm -hmm. I really appreciated that they yeah. did. So, That's but it good. took us as a community really stepping up and going, you guys are doing this wrong. <laughs> you can't, you can't be you know, so vague, you can't share information this way with a rare disease community. And then, like you said, to have somebody sit there and go, we want this as much as you guys do. No, you don't. Like, you're not living with this every day. There is no way that you want this as much as we do. Um, so for somebody to say that, yeah, that's a terrible thing to say to somebody in the community. In the middle of COVID. Yeah. Yeah, like I, um, I've never been so close to suicidal as I was during those four days because I was in the middle of COVID. I had, I was off, I wasn't on my um, antidepressants. I had to like call my doctor and say, hey, I need something like now because like I am spinning. And like, yeah, I have to get some clonopin. <laughs> Clonazepam or something. Yeah. I mean, like for real, that's something that like really like calmed me down because like I wasn't ready. Yeah. I wasn't mentally ready. I just can't imagine what everybody. Uh, oh, I had. Yeah, I just, I just wasn't. I just wasn't, Lauren. It hurts so bad too. It hurts so bad. Um. Yeah. And so now I um <laughs> I am supposed to be starting, I'm supposed to go for today for my first um visit to start um um stage. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I didn't go today. <laughs> you know, I just didn't go. It's I didn't go. You know, I was ready. I was ready. I was ready. And I was just like, I don't know. I don't know if I have it in me. So so what you experienced with Fastenex is truly just, it's kind of shadowed everything, right? Because you don't want that to happen again of, of where, cause I know what you're saying. Like they told totally like, Oh my God, this is going to work. You guys are going to feel better. This is going to be a positive thing for you guys. And then we're going to go to open label extension in just a few months. Right. And you know, then it wasn't even everything has been like, like this was phase three. This was like, Right. Years going on. This was not like it was phase one or two. It was phase three. This trial had been going on for years before I got involved. Yeah. Um. But it shadows everything and, else, right? Because now you've had that experience, and how how can you trust that it won't happen again, right? And and the rug is not pulled right, out from under right. you yet again. Right. And I don't trust myself either because I know how easily I can be consumed by, you know, the possibility of something, you know, you know, it consumes. Well, right. It's like you said, we are staring at it every single day. It's right here. You are, right. you are at the point of, of where your mom was, right? And right. you're literally looking at it every single day. It's right there. You know that right now what's going on in your brain. Um, right. And so, yeah, it's hard to, you know, when you've had the rug pulled out from under you to trust that right. it won't happen again. And that this time we won't have another right. chance. Right. Um, right. Yeah. It's scary. And yeah, it becomes consuming because we're betting our lives on this. We're not betting money. We're not betting, you know, just research. Oh, we can try something else. This is right. And every single time something halts and every single time something doesn't work, that's it's weird. Like the clock over for us. Right. For time we don't have. Nobody wants to say it right now, but yeah. we're years. We are years away, Lauren. Yeah. With, 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 I'm sorry, but like with, um, with Roche, Fascinex, Wave, and another one, like, Lauren, we're years, we're, we're years. Yeah. No, I know. I, I, I realize that and that's a scary thing because years, years time. We know how much changes in two years and you know. Right. right. Um it's hard so like now, to, I'm trying to trying to process the fact that um okay. Cause like I'm I had to like accept the fact that okay. You're not going to find a drug that's going to keep you from getting sick. Okay, Chris, You now you have to accept the fact that you are going to get sick. What's your next next best option? And then I was like, so that's where I'm at now. Like, what is my next? Okay, you're going to get it. You're not going to have something that's going to delay the onset before your onset. You know, <laughs> your onset is... Is here or is it's at the door and well here's how you know, I think about it and maybe it'll help a little bit because I hear you okay. I, I feel that a hundred percent um right and the way that I push myself is there may not be something to help before the onset but we do know that HD progresses gradually and right. so we're going to deal with this for years. It's not something that's a light, right. light switch that right. all of a right. sudden starts. 
So right. the best time now to do it is now because we're in the best health we can be now for our brain. So right. let's keep it going as long as we can now and hope that that it will give us more years of a quality of life. And so it may not be beforehand, but if we can get it early enough in the brain that it stops it in its tracks or slows it down, slows it down enough that we have a quality of life, then at least we could live with it. Mm -hmm. Instead mm -hmm. of dying from it. Right. So, right. I get it. I mean, I get it. But it's hard. That it's, it's hard to participate in, and, you know, especially when everything has been failing recently, it's hard yeah. to trust. Yeah. You know, it just yeah. is. Thank you for understanding that Lauren. Um, and for saying what you just did. I mean, I mean, you just have to I'd rather stop it at year two or three or four. I hear you. I, there are days I sit there and I'm like, what is the point? But I mean, we keep going, right? We keep fighting. That's what HD warriors do. <laughs> Battle scars and all get back up and keep on going. I know Lauren. I know. But then I'm just like, Christy, you want to spend all your time consumed by this, or do you just want to, like, go live? You know? Do you think... I try, both, I try to do both. I try to live and be consumed. And, and it's hard. It is. It is. Um, it think, takes a Do you think that by not participating in research that you will be less consumed by it? That's not fair, Lauren. Okay. Because you know how consuming it is. And that's my point. I mean, <laughs> it's going to consume you anyway, right? Because that's how we are. I know. I know. But like. But it's okay to find a balance too. Okay. Okay, example. An example. I said, okay, I'm not doing anything for Huntington's this year. I said that last year. I went to six conferences. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever, you know, like. Yeah, because it's part of us. <laughs> it's part of us. So it doesn't, no matter what we do, it's still there. It's still but I think that there it's okay to, to shut down and to rest for a while. And it's okay to try to find a balance. But, um, but I think also the reality is, and what people don't always talk about is even when you're out there having fun, HG is just a part of us. It's just there. And it's not something that we can turn off and on. It's just part of of who we are because of how we advocate and how we've been caregivers and how we deal with this stuff every single day. And that's okay. Right. I think our way of fighting is that even though that's always there, we still go over here and we have a good time and we have the good, good moments and, and we enjoy and appreciate life. And we remember that, that we are allowed to have a life. It's not our fault we have a brain disease. And it's mm -hmm. okay for us to have a life. But that doesn't require us to take off our HD warrior hat. And right. pretend like we're not that. Right. Because it is so ingrained into what we do. Right. You can do both. You can be both. You are not one or the other. They are both a part of you. Yes, that is extremely, 
very well. I could not put that better myself. <laughs> and I um and I I think I found like a maybe a comfort zone I've I've gotten into, and I uh feel like you know. I don't want to rock the boat as like this comfort area of like where I'm at. Even if it's not the best, it's just a level where a lane that I'm in and I'm like, okay, I'm comfortable with this lane and I can't get hurt by this lane. <laughs> and, you know, I, even though that's a lie and I can, um, I can deal with this lane. This is a good lane. You know, I can, I can watch out for Huntington's around the corner in this lane. I can, you know, I can still have fun in this lane. I can, you know, I can, I can be active in this lane. I can be quiet in this lane. I can hide in this lane. I can be seen in this lane. I can, um, yeah, like, I like the lane that I'm in right now. And if I'm to go over to another lane, then I'm going to be, again, making, exposing myself to vulner more vulnerability, more heartache, more, um, more Tito's and tonics, more, you know, just, <laughs> and. Hey, though, it's okay to be, to be happy in the lane you're in. That's okay. But like, I was so strong. I was such a fighter in the beginning, Lauren. I started this race in 2015. Like I, I was, I started this a while ago, Lauren, you know? But you're not ending the race. You're just going a little bit slower in another lane until you're ready to get back in the other one. Yes. What if and I the, don't? What if you don't? What if I don't? What if I don't? Chris, let's be honest. You'll, you will. <laughs> everybody, everybody needs to rest sometimes. It needs to go a little bit slower sometimes. And, and that's okay. It's okay to step back from all of it for just a little bit and breathe and just be you. And um, that doesn't mean that you're, you are literally stopping everything. It means that you are, you are doing self-care. And it doesn't mean that you won't ever get back to over there. You will. You just got to take care of you right now. And that's okay. Yeah. But I really want to push people to be involved. Like, you know. Well, yeah. I want to push people to be involved too. But at the same time, we have a brain disease. And it's okay to do self-care. So if people can't get involved, that's okay too. There are other things you can do and it's not something you have to literally make a decision on right, you know, right the second and be like, okay, I'm jumping all in. You can, you can do it in your own time and realize that nobody's going to judge you for that because we all deal with it. We all deal with burnout. We all deal, you know, with the ups and downs of HD and the, and the craziness that it brings into our life. And I think that you make a very valid point. You are happy in the lane that you are in right now. And if that's the lane you need to be in, that's great. Nobody should push you out of that until you're ready. And just know that when you know you're ready, you can switch over and go back to where you were. And I've done it. I I mean, I have, I found out in 2000 and Five, 2006 about being gene positive mm. okay I'm 37 years old and I have taken breaks especially when my father got sick I literally was going to DC twice a year you know traveling um, driving up there I was talking to medical students I was going to conventions I was doing law enforcement education. I was doing all of this stuff and my dad got sick and I stopped. I cut everything off. And you know what? That's okay. Because I needed to for me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just got to take the break. And 
and focus oh, yes. on your family, yourself, and making sure that you're in an okay place. And then I came back. Now for me, my way has been a lot more subtle. Um, mm -hmm. I wasn't able to come back and do all of those things because I was taking care of my dad, but I needed, for me, it was a coping mechanism to be able to be part of the community and do all of these things. And when I lost my coping mechanism, my depression got worse. And that's where my suicidal thoughts started coming in was because I didn't have the connections that I needed. Mm -hmm. And Katie and Katrina gave me what I needed in this podcast. Mm -hmm. way of being able to be part of the community without going and traveling and doing all of these things and being me mm -hmm. while also taking care of my dad. And mm -hmm. I have slowly been able to work back into it, but it's not something I did overnight. It's taken years. Yeah. So it's okay to do that. I love you, Lauren. Oh, I love you too. I remember um, going through a time where I was just like, instead of me focusing so much on trying to find a cure or treatment, like, I just need to focus on like how to have the best life that I have right now mm -hmm. and for tomorrow and for, you know, three months from now. I can't keep constantly looking to keep my talks all my focus on five six seven eight years away like because next thing I'll know I'll turn around and I haven't lived my life because I've been you know so focused and and consumed with trying to you know find the next best trial to do and the next best this to do and next promising this to do and not actually just like living in the moment and realizing where I'm at mentally, physically, and being okay with where I'm at and doing the most I can with where I am at, you know? That's where I was for a while. And then I'm like, well, maybe I need to start doing something. How does preach back up on you? Yeah. That's the whole. That's the whole advocate in you. It's like, <laughs> I and I think somebody once told me like you realize there are people in the community who are not like this, who don't have to have this this need to advocate like we do, and who have have this on you know, obviously HD consumes them because it's part of their life, but not this other part of the advocacy world and, and everything. Right. I was like, oh, I never thought about that. And they're like, there's a rare <laughs> few that it's literally their passion. And because of that, they live it like this. And it truly made me see things differently that this is more than just us living with HD. This is our calling because it's such a passion for us but it's hard. So it's okay too to rest when we need to. Yeah. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you so much for coming on to the show and sharing what you did with Wave. Thank you so much for fighting as hard as you do and um, for being so open and honest. And, um, you know, I think that's huge. I think more people, uh, need to do that because there are people in the community who feel it and are afraid to say it. And then I get messages all the time, especially after our last show um, of not only how helpful it was for somebody with HD to know that somebody else was going through it, but also from caregivers because they don't get to hear their loved ones say it. And so mm -hmm. to know the perspectives is very helpful for caregivers. So I truly appreciate you being so open and honest and sharing what you have. Well, I'm just happy that we, I love you enough and you love me enough that we can have these conversations and um, and just like be authentic. Like it's hard enough to try to be Chris Brown. I can't imagine trying to be somebody else. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just like, 
you know, keep it real. Yeah. And that's the whole point of the HD Uncut series is to be able to do that, to be able to come on, share things, um, you know, and and be yourself and not be afraid to talk about things. So um, I want to encourage other people to reach out to me. I'm happy to have yeah. you on with HD Uncut and hear your stories and know your true feelings. Like this is the point of this series is to really get it out there, how we feel. And, um, and this, this show shows that um, really just the importance of that. So um, please reach out to me if you are interested in, in participating in HD Uncut. My email is lauren at help hd.org that's h-e-l-p the number four hd.org and until next time guys take care and love ya thank you for listening don't forget to visit www.help4hd.org and sign up for our email newsletter to stay up to date on all that is going on at help for hd get social with us and like us on facebook follow us on instagram and subscribe to help for hd tv on youtube and ring the bell for notifications